Well, good morning, everyone. That was awful. Let's try that again. Good morning, everyone. That's a little more like it. Hey, how's everyone doing today? I hope you are doing great. It is such a privilege for me to be speaking to you guys this morning. For those of you guys who don't know me, my name is Daniel, and I'm one of the youth pastors here. I work with the student ministry. I work specifically with middle school students, uh, but Trevor and I kind of oversee the whole program. I'll see you guys in the back, my students. Um, hey, for those of you guys, for, if you don't know this about me, and you may have heard this in the service, um, my friends call me Stallion. That's because my parents are missionaries in Italy, so I spent most of my life overseas, grew up over there. So if you hear some someone say that, it's, it's a nickname. I got it in college and it just stuck with me. Um, but man, I'm so excited to, to, for the privilege of being able to, to talk to you guys today, of uh, presenting God's word to you guys this morning. We're in this series called Flip the Lens, and we've done this kind of creative thing where we've taken this, has, this hashtag, Flip the Lens, Recognize the Gift, and we've put it um, on social media. And I checked on Friday, there was about 500 posts from, from you guys, the church uh, online, with different photos, different images of, of things that we're thankful for, of how we want to see life differently. And so we have a couple of those this morning that we want to show and share with you guys today. Our first one is from Abigail. She's one of the students in our ministry. She's, she's actually next door in the traditional service right now, uh, singing with the choir there. And uh, you see here, it's, oh, these are all students of our program. It looks like they're out getting some frozen yogurt somewhere. Uh, just very thankful and, and blessed uh, to be able to, to do that. Our next one is from Taylor Black. Uh, looks like she was getting her children ready for church uh, one Sunday morning. A little hashtag sibling love, okay? Uh, if you have siblings, you, you'd understand that. Uh, this next one I'm really excited about is from Ben Freiberger. Uh, ben Freiberger is a freshman at the University of South Carolina. He just graduated from our program. And all the guys in, these, in, these, in this picture actually attended Mount Horb Student Ministry. And there are students down there. And what they've decided to do is this one day a week when they don't have classes in the morning, they, the night before, they actually all spend the night, kind of like a big, big giant college sleepover, uh, in one of the guys' rooms. And they wake up the next morning, go to breakfast together, and then they have a Bible study. They've been going through the book of James. And they meet with Trevor, and they kind of like figure out what they're going to talk about next. Uh, and so they've been doing this on their own to continue in their growth and uh, their walk with God. And so we're just really encouraged by that. Uh, if you have a chance, go online, search that hashtag, flip the lens, or recognize the gift, look at some of the pictures, not while I'm speaking though, please, okay, I'll see you guys on your phones, all right, and, but, but take a look and see all the things that our church congregation, our people of our church are thankful for, uh, it, will, it will definitely bless you, there's, there's some weird stuff out there as well, um, but, but there's definitely some cool ones, and so we're excited about that. Uh, today is the last message of our series, Flip the Lens. To which you guys should respond with a little, oh. So we're going to try that again. Today is the last message of our series, Flip the Lens. There we go. Okay, super sad. Uh, but we're talking about this concept of joy. Uh, we've been looking at the book of Philippians. We'll be there in a second. But kind of this idea that if we want to look at the way our culture is, if we want to, to look at our life, look at what we're doing, we need to kind of see it in a different light. We need to flip the lens, look at things a little bit differently according to how God's word is asking us to look at things. And we've had an incredible time looking at scripture and reorienting our priorities, looking at, at stuff in a different sense. And today we're going to do just that. And we want to talk today specifically, though, about this idea of time, of time, being able to live in today, being able to live in the present. And so before we do anything else, before we go any further, I just want to spend some time with you guys in a very literal sense. And it's about to get awkward in this place here for just a second. What I want to do is I want to put a minute on the countdown, a minute on the screens, a countdown. And I just want to spend one minute of time. I want to enjoy one minute of time with you guys. We're going to be in complete silence. It will, like I said, get a little bit awkward for just a second. But let's try that. Let's go ahead and put a minute on the clocks and, and then we'll come back.
Oh, sigh of relief. Wasn't that awkward? That's like the worst thing ever. I don't understand what's up with a minute, okay? Minutes can go by so fast, okay? Especially when I'm getting ready in the morning, all right? It's 9.50, I'm upstairs, brush my teeth, walk downstairs, get a cup of coffee, walk out, and it's 10.20. I don't know what happened, okay? Those minutes go by so quick. But when we're sitting in here looking at it, literally time flying, it goes so slow. It takes forever. Let me tell you guys a little bit. This is from, from Google, okay? What happens in a minute? Some statistics. In one minute, in this past minute, 700,000 people have logged in to Facebook. 116 people in one minute got married. Five million pounds of trash were created. 250 babies were born. Oprah just made $600. I wouldn't mind having that job. Americans ate 21,000 slices of pizza. Now, you may think that that's not the case because it's morning, but I, I know there's some cold pizza lovers in the house, all right, for breakfast. Our heart just pumped seven liters of blood, and the average person, you guys in here, blinked approximately 20 times. Think about that for a second. A minute. Okay, it's such a small unit of time, and yet when compounded, we're put together with other minutes, and, and then and they create more time and create hours and create days, and it is so valuable. It is something that we can't get back. That minute that we spent together, I'm not going to say wasted, but that minute we spent together, we can't get that back. It's gone. It's in the past. And so what we want to understand, we want to see this morning is that we must understand, we must see every minute as a gift. Every minute that we have is a gift. And we want to find out this morning from scriptures, we look together, what, 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 the, what the Bible has to say about our time, what the Bible has to say about living in today, about living in the present. And so we've been in the book of Philippians, so if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn with me to Philippians chapter 3. That's where we're going to camp out this morning. We're going to spend some time looking at scriptures there. So turn with me to Philippians chapter 3. This is where kind of we've talked about uh, the scriptures, talking about joy, talking about this, this whole idea from this series has come from this. So Philippians chapter 3, we're going to read a kind of a, a well-known passage here where the Apostle Paul is speaking. And in chapter 12, he jumps in this conversation. Now, we'll explain a little bit what came right before it. But he jumps in this conversation here in Philippians 3, verse 12, and he says this. He says, not that I've already obtained all of this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing that I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. So we want to explain this. We want to unpack this a little bit. And right from the get-go, we have to stop and pause and understand what he's saying. Because he says, not that I have already obtained all of this. And if we just jump into the verse, if we just jump into the chapter, we don't know what this is talking about. And so we have to back up a little bit and understand the context, understand what, he, what he's saying. And so the first part of chapter 3, he's actually talking about righteousness. He's talking about the righteousness that we receive through a relationship with God. And righteousness is kind of this idea of right standing, of, 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 of a level of perfection, a level of, 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 of high morality that we receive because, not of anything we've done, but because of our walk and our relationship with Christ. And so as chapter 3 begins, over, over in verse 4, he's speaking, he says this, he says, if anyone had any reason to think that they could obtain their own righteousness... If anyone had any reason to believe that they themselves were righteous, he says, I was that guy to be able to do that. And he explains why in verse 4. He says, I have reason for confidence in the flesh. 
He says, if anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Listen to this. He says, I was circumcised on the eighth day. Okay, that's like the Jewish practice. That means both of his parents were Jewish. That means they were, they were following in the law. They were following what they were supposed to do. He's like, yeah, circumcised on the eighth day, this guy. He goes, I was of the people of Israel. And not only the people of Israel, he goes, I was of the tribe of Benjamin. Now, Benjamin was the tribe from which King David derived. So he's like, guys, I'm royalty. He goes, I'm from Israel, circumcised on the eighth day like I was supposed to. I'm of the tribe of Benjamin, hint, hint. I'm like famous, I'm royal. He goes, I was Hebrew of Hebrews. As far as the law was concerned, I was a Pharisee. I was a teacher of the law. He says, as far as zeal or passion or devoutness, he goes, I was actually a persecutor of the church. And as to righteousness according to the law, he goes, I was blameless. So he's saying, listen, I don't know if you know this about me. Time out. Look at me. He goes, I had it all. And then he says in verse 8, however, I count all these things as rubbish or garbage or trash in order that I may gain Christ, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from death. You see, he says, it's not about what I've done. It's not about what, who I am. It's not about my past. It's not about my lineage. It's not about all the rules and laws and regulations I followed. He said, the reason I can consider myself righteous is because of what Christ did in me. Super important concept for us to understand. And then he says, he goes, but I have not yet obtained this. He hasn't yet obtained the completion of that. He hasn't yet obtained eternal life. He hasn't gotten to the end yet. He says, therefore, and he starts to show us how we should live now. You see, as we're followers of Christ, someday we're promised this eternal completion in Christ. We're going to re receive, we're going to reach that level of righteousness. We're going to be there where, where Paul is. We're going to be made complete. We're going to spend eternity with, with Christ if we're followers and disciples and, and have a relationship with him. But it's like, well, what do we do in the meantime? We haven't gotten there yet. And so Paul says, he goes, I haven't obtained all this yet. And he's about to explain to us instead what we should do. He said, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straightening towards what is ahead, I press onward toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Now, like any good conversation, when we're talking about the present, there's two elements. When we talk about time, present, today, there's two elements that we have to incorporate into the conversation. And I'll give you guys a hint. If we're talking about the present, there's other two elements. One is kind of over here on the timeline. It's the Past, very good. You guys are paying attention this morning. And over here we have another one. It is the future. Man, you guys are great. A lot better than the 9 o'clock service, okay? And so he says, he says this. He says, oh, I forget what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. Paul's giving us a framework. He's giving us a context. He says, there's the present. There's today. There's what I'm doing in this moment. He goes, but there's also what comes before and there's also what comes after. And so this morning as we're talking about flipping the lens, as we're talking about looking at stuff with a different perspective of having the right vision on our today, on our present, on the time that we're in now, we have to walk over here and take and spend a little bit of time in the past. Now I'm going to tell you guys today, there's two ways to view the past. <laughs> there's kind of like a negative way and there's a positive way. The negative way that we view the past is, is, is what we would call when we're stuck in the glory days. You guys know what I'm talking about? Oh, man, back when I was in college, yeah, that was, that was the day. You know, I was an athlete. I could do all these things. I could stay up all night, drink a Red Bull, and be ready to go for my test the next day. All right, back in the glory days, man, that job that I used to have paid so well. I wasn't running my own business. I wasn't running my own company. That, that, those were the glory days. That job that I used to have, that the people I used to hang out with, the place I used to live in. 
Now think about this for a second. We're, we live here, but we're always referencing, we're always talking, we're always wishing that we could have it the way it used to be. We try to dwell in the past. We try to live over here in the time that has already passed us. Paul says, no, we're forgetting that stuff that's in the past. Don't worry about that stuff in the past. And yet scripture is very clear that we also can't just take the past and, and throw it out completely. There's a positive way to look at the past. There's an important thing that we have to remember from the past. And that is this idea of the lessons that God has been teaching us. The things that he's been presenting to us. The ways in which he speaks to us and grows us and shows us all the things that we need to know from the past. Think of it this way. The people of Israel were known, especially their culture, for creating memorials. For creating altars. Places or ways to remember what God had done for them. God actually changes the names of people in the Old Testament and in the New Testament to remind them of stuff that he has done. You guys have heard of Abraham, right? Well, originally his name was Abram. And his wife Sarah, her name was originally Sarai. Now think about this for a second. If you were his servant, if you showed up one day and you're like, hey, what's up? It was, it was, it's Abraham now? Okay, I just want to get it wrong. Right, it's your name. I don't want to mess it up here. Or think of Saul. He has this crazy encounter with God. His name has changed to Paul. Imagine going back to a high school reunion. Hey, what's up, Saul? No, no, whoa, hey, it's Paul now. Read the name tag. Okay, like, that's weird. And yet every time that he has a conversation with someone, reintroduces himself and says, no, my name has been changed. Why has it been changed? And he gets to tell them, he gets to remind them, God met me one time on the road to Damascus. As I was going to persecute Christians, this bright light came from heaven. I looked up and, and the voice of God spoke to me. Because I couldn't see for three days. I was blinded and then finally got my sight back. And now I live a life for him. And there's value in remembering what God has done in the past. There's this one story in the Old Testament. It's one of, probably one of my favorite stories. Um, it's kind of a, a quick story. You guys know the people of Israel were, were in captivity in Egypt. And God wanted to free them from Egypt, bring them to the promised land. And so he sends them a deliverer named Moses. And Moses takes them across, you know, the Red Sea opens up. They walk across on dry land. They make it to the wilderness. As they're walking around in the wilderness, they start to grumble and complain. They doubt the promises of God. And God actually says to them, he says, your generation, because of this, because of your doubt, will not inherit the promised land. And because of Moses' disobedience at one point, he says, Moses, because of your disobedience, you will be able to see into the promised land, but you will not yourself be able to go into it. And so everything is transferred over then in the book of Joshua to the new leader, which is Joshua. And everything is transferred over to him, and he becomes the new leader of Israel. And his first task is to bring him into the promised land. In order to go into the promised land, they have to cross the Jordan River. And when they cross the Jordan River, very similar to, to the Red Sea, the, the waters open up, and they walk across on dry, land, on dry land. And in Joshua chapter 4, God says this to Joshua. He says, I want you to take 12 stones from here out of the midst of the Jordan. Bring them over with you and lay them down in the place where you lodge tonight. That this may be a sign among you when, it, when your children ask in the time to come, what do those stones mean? Then you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. So these stories shall be for the people of Israel a memorial forever. And God tells them, he says, you're going to go through the Jordan. When the waters open up, you take out 12 stones. You come over to the other side where you're going to lodge. You put them down. You build an altar. You build a memorial. P.S. Kids ask a lot of questions. Can I get an amen from some parents? Okay. And he says, when they ask questions, when they ask you what those stones are there for, you'll have a chance to remember, to tell them of the great things that God has done. 
And then there's this little verse, and, and I had a professor that shared this. This is just an opinion, okay? We don't know this for a fact, but I think it's a pretty good theory. A couple of verses after there, it says, Joshua set up 12 stones in the middle of the Jordan, in the place where the feet of the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant had stood, and they are there to this day. And my professor had a theory that maybe, just maybe, when they went to the Jordan, they took out the 12 stones, they built the memorial, built the altar to remind them of all that God had done. And it says here they built a second memorial inside of the river, where at the, at the feet of the priests where the Ark of the Covenant stood, that it was now covered by the water of the Jordan, and they're still there to this day. And the professor said that maybe, just maybe, that memorial was built to remind them of their mistakes and their failures. That by God's grace, the water covered over, they didn't have to see it every day, but man, they knew that they could learn from it. Yeah, those rocks were there. And so it's important as we talk about today, as we talk about our present, this time, it's important that we don't dwell in the past, but also that we don't forget from the past. We can't live in this glory day like if you've seen Napoleon Dynamite, Uncle Rico walking around that football. He just wants to be the quarterback from high school. It's important that we don't dwell here. We don't want to live here forever, but we don't want to forget the mighty works that God has done for us, the lessons he's taught us, the things that he has given us in the past. And that's the first component. And the other component is over here as we look to the future. Now, this is where it starts to get a little dicey. Because if we're really honest with ourselves, and certain personalities, certain people are like this more than others, it's very, very easy to worry about the future. Right? For a parent, for a student, wondering where we're going to go to school, wondering who we're going to end up with, date, marry. You know, whatever our life is, if we're talking about jobs, we're talking about salaries, it is so easy to fall in this category of worry. When we think about the, the political situation, it is so easy to live here in this area of worry. And God's word speaks to that as well. There's so many scriptures that talk about not being anxious about tomorrow because tomorrow will take care of itself. It has enough troubles of its own. You know, it, Jesus says in, in Mark chapter 6, he says, look at the birds of the sky. They don't sow, they don't reap, and yet they find food, they find substance. He goes, how much more will God who loves you and died for you be able to take care of you and provide for you? Don't worry about tomorrow. In Philippians in chapter 4, we're not going to get to today, but it says, be anxious about nothing, but in everything, with prayer and thanksgiving, make your requests known to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your, guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Don't be anxious about tomorrow. Don't be so focused, so concerned with the future that you can't focus on today. That's kind of the negative side of the future. But there's also a positive side. And that's this idea of, of setting goals, of living a life that is, uh, that, that is worth living, of having fulfillment, of desiring the things that God desires. Yeah, we, we, we don't want to dwell in the past. We don't want to forget what God is giving us. When we come to the future, we don't want to find ourselves in this place where we're constantly worried and, and, and preoccupied and concerned and anxious. But it's really important that we set goals, that we have vision, we set expectations for us. You know, Monica shared a little bit about this call, this vision she feels that God has for her in her life. To work with people who speak Spanish. To use a gift, a talent that he has given her to be able to go and reach other people who sometimes are forgotten or wouldn't normally be able to be reached. She feels like that's the call that God has for her life. Now you may be like, well, I don't have this specific calling. I don't have this specific thing that God has told me to do. But the Bible is full of commands that God has given us. Acts 1.8, it says, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on to you and you'll be my witnesses. 
and Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. That's a command for us today as believers to go and proclaim God's word. The, the first or the greatest commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. God is asking us to do this. That's our will. That's what we should be striving for. It's important that we have a view over here and understanding, a clear vision of what God has for us. Over here, we want to make sure in the past, as it comes to that, we want to, we want to make sure that we're, we're, we're not dwelling, but that we're not forgetting the lessons that God has given us. And when it comes to the future, we want to make sure that we don't worry, but that we don't settle for the way things are today. That we're looking, that we're striving to becoming more, to putting into practice what God has given us, the vision, the goals, the passions, whatever it is that he has for us to do. You see, it's important to live here in the present today as we move forward. It's important that if we want to live a life of fulfillment, that we don't mishandle the past and we don't mishandle the future. Because if we do that, it will rob us of the present. If we're constantly living over here, if we're constantly living over there, without the right view, it, it will rob us of the joy of today, of the gift that is today. And so it's our desire to flip the lens, to look at it differently to take the positive from the past, take the positive from the future, and be able to live our lives today here in the present. And we're in Philippians. We're going to come back to that in just a second. But Ephesians, if you turn one page over, in Ephesians chapter 5, this is kind of getting a little bit of this theme, this idea of wisdom. Paul is speaking to another church, the church in Ephesus, and he says, Be careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. And so if we want to be here, if we want to live here and live well, if we want to flip the lens and, and change the way we look at our today, it's important that we understand the past, understand the future, take the positives from both of them, and move forward in, in that. Andy Stanley says it like this. He says, whenever you have a decision, he says, based on your, your past experiences, on your present circumstances, and on your future hopes and, hopes and dreams, what is the wise decision for me to make today? You see, we can say yes to anything. We can say no to anything. It doesn't mean necessarily what God wants from us. So based on our past, based on the, the issues we've had, based on the lessons we've learned, even the failures, based on where we find ourselves today, and based on where we want to be in our walk and our relationship with God, what is the wisest thing for me to do today? And I'm telling you, you can go home and think about this. You can apply this to, to anything, any decision that you make. You may have an opportunity for a job promotion. Well, you know based on how you've done in the past. You know based on the lessons that you've learned in the past, the questions that you need to ask, the things you need to find out. You know based on your circumstances now, if you work more, is that going to impede on your family time? Or maybe if you take this promotion, maybe it'll actually give you more time at home because you have to travel less. Based on where you want to be in accordance to God's will, you can make a decision today that is full of joy, a decision today that is in the present, in the moment that is viewing this time as an opportunity, as a gift from God. The past and the future need to bring into focus the gift of the present. It's based on how we look at that and how we look at this over here that we are able to focus in on what we have right in front of us today and now. In the Philippians passage that we've been working through, there's two more verses that we want to look at, verse 15 and verse 16. 
It says this, all of us then who are mature should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already obtained. All of us who are mature should take such view of things. Paul says if you are maturing in your faith, if you're maturing in your walk with me, you should start to see things differently. You should take up this view. You should start to flip the lens in your life and how you look at time, how you look at the present. I want to be honest with you guys. This is a lesson that, that, that I'm learning. Nick always says when he comes up here and speaks, he goes, it's the job for the preacher to have the message wreck him before he comes and presents it. And I always kind of laugh like, yeah, no, sort of, I get that, but yeah, maybe. But it's true. This is a lesson that I've had to learn. This is a lesson that I've been, been learning. Some of you guys know this, and for some of you guys, it'll be the first time hearing this. But this past Easter, uh, right before Easter, actually, I should say, I noticed some uh, irregularity, and I went to the doctor, performed some tests, had some, some checkups done, and the test results came back to the doctor on the Saturday before Easter. Um, the, the doctor that was taking a look at the test goes to this church. He was in the, the last service. And he came and found me on Easter Sunday. I was up in the old uh, sanctuary, the, the chapel. Uh, we had our Sunday school with our students, and we were getting ready to, to go home. And he found me. He said, hey, I need, I need to talk to you real quick. And so he pulled me into a little room off to the side. And he said, listen, I got the results of your test. And, um, and what he, he told me, we then later confirmed, but he said, it looks like you have testicular cancer. And that, was just, that was just devastating. That was crazy. And here it was, it was Easter Sunday. We, we just had a great, a great Sunday school, a good time hanging out with our students. We're having a good time. I'm about to go hang out with the family. I just received some crazy news. So by the grace of God, my, my siblings were actually in town that weekend because the next day was my birthday. So I got to go home and, and share with them, and, and, and they prayed with me, and, and we prepared, and we talked, and, 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 and tried to decide what was going to happen. And so the next day was my birthday. I spent a good part of the morning on the phone talking to a urologist. And later that week, I ended up having surgery to remove a tumor that they had found. After I was better from that, after I healed up from the surgery, I ended up meeting with an oncologist, and he confirmed that it was actually stage two cancer. There had been two uh, smaller tumors were found in my abdomen and the lymph nodes there, and I was going to have to go chemotherapy. And so this summer, I actually wasn't here all summer. I was out getting treatment uh, over at Lexington Medical Center. And every single day uh, for a week, from about 8 a.m. to 1 p.m., I sat there and watched chemo just drip through the little machine all the way in the tube into my blood. You talk about minutes going by slowly, sitting there every day, watching that happen for about a week. And then I'd spend the next week feeling totally sick, totally ill, no desire to do anything, no desire to, to you got to the point I didn't even, didn't even want to watch TV and Netflix, so you know I was really sick. And then the next week I was okay, I felt normal. There were some things I could do. I still had to be very careful for germs and, and people who could have uh, disease or stuff that was contagious because my immune system was low. And I had to go through the cycle of, th of three weeks, four different times. For 12 weeks, I was sick. And by God's grace, I got to the end of that, and we, we did some tests. And I actually just had a blood result done two, about two weeks ago. And right now, I'm totally cancer-free. God has, has healed me 100%. And the doctors are... Yeah. <laughs> The doctors are, are, are pretty confident that, that it's something that's not going to come back. It's, it's one of those cancers that is, is curable. It affects young people, but it's curable. And you don't have to worry about it that much anymore. So I'll have to keep doing tests and all of that. But the point, the reason I share this story with you guys is because since then, something has definitely switched in me. 
I didn't, I, I remember sitting down thinking, okay, God, what lesson do you have for me? We, we learned last week and the week before that sometimes God will use loss, he'll use difficult times, he'll use troubled moments in our lives to try to teach us stuff. So I said, all right, God, what do you have for me? What are you trying to teach me? What are you trying to show me? And I didn't feel like there was this like crazy revelation, like, here you go, this is what you need to, to learn. But I will tell you this, since I've been healed, I had this sense, I feel this sense of urgency in my life. I've developed this, uh, this desire to, to live in the present, to have joy, to not stay so focused in the past. Yeah, I want to learn and see what God has taught me and not forget those things. And yeah, I have desires and goals and dreams and hopes and, and, and visions that I think God has placed in my heart. But it's by having a right view of those that I can live today in the present. In Psalm 90, I want to close with this. This is called the Psalm of, of Moses. Moses writes... He's praying out to God. He says, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. He says, God, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Moses understood the importance of living with the end in mind, of seeing every minute as a gift, of saying, of saying the time that I have here on earth is precious. The time that I have here in the present is important. What's in the past, I can't get back. Yeah, I want to learn from the mistakes that I've made. I want to learn from the lessons that God has given me. I want to learn from the hard times, but I'm not sitting there wishing we could go back to the way things were. Because we have a belief and understanding that God is transforming us, bringing us always forward, moving us, progressing us into a new level, new depths of maturity with him. And when we look to the future, we don't want to sit here with anxiety and worry and, and man, what is going to happen? What if I get sick? Man, what if this happens to me? What if my, my, my kids go out and something happens to them? What if this? What if that? We'll lose our minds thinking that way. But it is godly to have goals and dreams and visions. Delight yourself in the Lord. He will give you the desires of your heart. Psalm 37, 4, he's speaking. He's saying if you have desires, if you have passions and dreams, if they line up with God's will, that's his desire for us. But in order to do that, we need to have the right perspective and be able to live in the present. We must see every minute as a gift. We need a right view of the past, a right view of the present, a right view of the future that will affect our present. It will give us joy, help us flip the lens so that we can see things more accurately. Would you guys close your eyes and bow your heads? Lord Jesus, I'm so thankful for your word. I'm so thankful, Father God, that you speak to us through life's lessons, through circumstances, through messages, even just through worship. And I pray this morning, Father God, as we have this opportunity to come and sing praises to you, as we have this opportunity, Lord Jesus, to, to lift up your name, would you stir in our hearts now in this moment, but even as we go out of here, even the rest of this week, the weight of what our present should look like. If we live with the end in mind, we understand what is important. We understand what does matter. We understand the things that we do need to do. And we can live with the end in mind, with the right understanding of the past, a right understanding of the future, and joyful present. Father God, would you work in our hearts? Thank you so much for loving us. We ask for all these things in your precious name. In the name of Jesus, amen.